A reading from the New Testament letter of Romans, chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So on one hand, I'm sad today. On the other hand, I'm ecstatic. I'll give you the ecstatic reason first. The ecstatic reason, it's Easter. It doesn't get any better than this. Right? I just dropped the mic. <laughs> so it does get better. No, I'm kidding. So, um, yeah, so it's Easter, so that's, that's exciting news. But I'm sad on one hand because... This is the last sermon in our victory series. It's been so good for me personally, and I know that a lot of you have benefited from it as well, as we've focused on Romans chapter 8 and the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. I think it's so easy in this world, I know it is, for us to focus on the negative and the, the things that are going wrong, and we forget the simple truth that in Christ we have victory. And so tonight we're going to finish up Romans chapter 8. So if you're not already there, I, enjoy, I invite you to join us there. Uh, we'll put scriptures up on the screen as well if you're unable to do that. But there are some notes I'd like to see you making tonight because I've made a lot this week too. A couple of years ago, I think it was three years ago, we were serving with the mission team. And our church is only five years, not even five years old at this point. And so we have people from around the country that come here and to help us get this church started. There was a high school student who came and served on one of those teams and we were doing a coffee giveaway outside of Cafe Via Espresso. This is not a plug for them, but it's good. You should go there. And it's on Steinway and uh, 25th Ave. I mean, excuse me, uh, Story Boulevard South. And we were giving out on the corners, and the, this young man who came as, as a high school student was in a wheelchair. And so he was on the corner across the street from where I was serving, and he was handing out flyers to people. And I looked over, and I saw this older man standing over the top of him, berating him verbally, and had his finger wagging at him. And there was a, with the student was a, a teenage girl as well. And she looked flustered, to say the least. She was scared as to what was happening. So I saw what was happening, and I crossed the street. I got over there, and I said, hey, is everything okay? Because I, you know, I thought maybe I could have misunderstood what was going on. And they were like, no, it's not okay. And uh, so I asked the man, what's going on here? And he didn't speak English, and so it was hard to communicate. And then for some reason, in an, in an angry moment, he just turned and physically went toward the student. And I just jumped in there, and I grabbed his arm, and I pulled him back, and I said, No! <laughs> and I, I've done that before with kids and with dogs. <laughs> and the first time, and I think the only time I've ever done that with a grown man. Uh, but I didn't know what to do. He didn't understand English. I couldn't really... Uh, dialogue with him so no and he it, it took him off guard he did understood understand what no meant and so uh i held his arm and i wasn't angry like sometimes you know you get angry and you, you're, you're afraid you're gonna lose control this was different this was like the holy spirit was 
in control, which is nice. I like those moments. I don't like the other ones, you know. But this was a good one. I didn't feel angry in a, in a bad way. It was a good anger, a righteous anger. And so I, I was like, no. And he tried to go back, and I just held him back. And, um, and, I, and I walked away, and they were telling me, they don't know why he's doing this. He just came up to him to do it. And so I, I guided him over to the street, and I was going to walk him across. And he tried to go back again, and I kept telling him no time after time. So I got him across the street and had to walk past Cafe Via Espresso this time. And, and I let him go, and then I saw him. We had some other people at the other corner. I was like, man, he's going to go there and mess with them too. And that's what he tried to do. So I had to run up there and say, no, get out of here. And so go. Was, and that's what it was, go. No and go. No, go. And he tried to come, go. And he finally went. And uh, it was an interesting experience. Um, I feel like this is a good example of, of, of what we need to do in life a lot. We need to understand the power of no. And we're a lot like, spiritually, the boy in the wheelchair. We're a lot like him. A lot of time, life comes at us in whatever form it may be. It could be a, a relationship, or uh, a lot of times it's relationships, but it could be circumstances as well, and, and we feel attacked. We feel threatened. We feel vulnerable. We feel accused. And in those moments of, of time when we feel that way, we feel helpless. I literally can't conquer this enemy. If he wants to take me out, he can take me out. And there's nothing we can do. Spiritually, our enemy is sin and death. That's what we face. Unlike the boy in this illustration, we're guilty. He wasn't guilty. He didn't deserve what he got. But spiritually, when we face the enemy of sin and death, which death is a one-to-one ratio. We've told that before. It's going to happen. We're going to lose that battle. We deserve the penalty because of our sin. But that's the beauty of Easter. It's not this angry God who's looking to punish people. There's this loving God who's wanting to punish death and bring life to people. Amen? Amen. That's what Easter is about. Jesus entered into our hostile environment like I entered into the boys. And he came between us and our enemy. And Easter is when we celebrate where Jesus jumped in there, looked at death, and he said, no. <laughs> Can you envision him doing that? Like He comes out of the tomb, he's like, no! I'm not going back in there. I think that's like a gladiator moment to play off Larry's illustration earlier. No, I see the authority of Jesus in this. I see love of Jesus, and I see action. I see that in the illustration, and I see that in Easter as well. For in my illustration, or my story, I was the leader of this group. I was a Christian brother of this young man, so I have authority to do something. I have a responsibility. I see love that I wanted justice to reign. I wanted mercy to reign. I did not want someone to be uh, uh, unlawfully hurt or just whatever I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying. I didn't want bad stuff. But I, and I saw action. Those things led me to act. And so I interceded and I stood between someone who needed help and someone who was hurting. We see that with Jesus as well. We see authority. We see um, love. And then we see action. We see Jesus as the, the Son of God, the, the Messiah. We see him as Lord. And we see the, the authority of that. We see the, the love that he has for us, that he loves justice and he loves mercy. He couldn't just say, don't worry about your sin because he's, he's a holy God. And so he was stirred with his holiness and his love to do something about it. And he didn't ask us to do something. He actually did it for us. And he gave us life. 
through his love. And we see action that he's the one who interceded and came into our scenario of facing an enemy that we can't defeat. And he grabbed it by the arm and he said, no, they're going to live. So I want to ask you a question. I need your participation in this, okay? So when, when you do this, this is a verbal response and also a physical one. All right, are you ready? So I want you to say, no. We practice one time, ready? No. All right, okay. Is death more powerful than Jesus? No. Good, you're, you're quick learners. Is there anything more powerful than God? No. Is there anything who can keep you from the love, or that can keep you from the love of God? No. Is there anyone that can keep you from the love of God? No. Is there any church you love more than Connection Church? No. All right. Jesus guarantees the love of God. This is what Easter is about. He guarantees it. He says, I guarantee you nothing can remove my love for you. That's what Easter says. And it also says that the guarantor behind that guarantee is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Lord Jesus. So there are two points tonight for Easter. And the first one is this. Nothing can remove the guarantee. Nothing can remove the guarantee. You see, nothing is what Paul is talking about. He says, he makes a list in these next verses, we'll look at in a second, of things that were, of things that are, and are commonly were then and are now thought to think, thought to be areas that cause us to doubt the love of God in our lives. These are the things that make us doubt. Does God really love me? Seriously? Because there's some bad things happening. We talked about that last week, and you can catch that online if you, wanna, if you weren't here for that one. But God is going to show us a guarantee from Jesus regarding God's love. Look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. This is that list Paul made. He says, For I, Paul, am convinced... Now, if you're have a Bible that you can take notes in, you can underline or circle that word convinced because that's very important. We'll talk about that in just a second. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing, just in case I didn't cover it all, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is an amazing ending to an amazing chapter. None of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Going back to the verse prior when he says convinced, I am convinced of these things. He is certain. He is persuaded. He is trusting. These are no doubts in, in these uh, statements here. He is convinced of this. Paul wasn't some lackey who had nothing going on in his life and just decided, you know what, I'm going to blindly follow Jesus because I think it would be good for my career. But he actually had everything the world had to offer. And he had everything the religious world had to offer as well. But some miraculous events happened in his life that changed his heart from anti-Jesus to a heart that was convinced that this Jesus he fought so hard against was indeed the Messiah, that he indeed was the chosen one of God, the Son of God, the Lord. I have a question. For those of you who are new, I I know your answer, but are you convinced in your heart of hearts that I am Daniel McGee? 
Some of you are. Patrick's shaking his head, doesn't really know. Well, here's what I can do to prove that. I have witnesses that can prove who I am. I have my family that I, I grew up with. We could call them right now, but we don't want to because that would take a while. We could talk to them. You could see them. I have friends of you. Some of you are friends who would testify, yeah, that's Daniel. I've known him for years. But I also have documents. I have a driver's license I could show you. I have a passport I could show you. And I have a birth certificate, which I could show you as well. And more importantly, documentation-wise, I have Facebook, which we all know is totally true. (laughs) But not only do I have these things, but I have time-tested witnesses as well that can go back to the beginning of Dan. Thank you. My mom was there when I was born, and she can say, that is the same boy today that I saw 39 years ago. And she still sees me the same way, too. (laughs) And I understand that. Once you're their baby, you're their baby. Amen. So Paul, Paul was convinced. He had these type of things for him. He had witnesses about who Jesus was. It it wasn't just him on an isolated incident that, that caused him to have all these changes. There was a great incident that happened to him, but there were even witnesses to that. But there were disciples of Jesus. There were family and there were friends. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to the risen Jesus. Not just the Jesus who lived prior to the crucifixion, but there were hundreds, say hundreds, of eyewitnesses to the risen Jesus. Now, made-up myths don't last like this. Eyewitnesses to Jesus. And Paul himself was an eyewitness to him in a great vision on the road to Damascus where he was blinded and by the light. Blinded by the light. Nope. Okay. So, witnesses, moving forward. I'm moving forward right now. Uh, Documents. There were the oral tradition. Now, we say, well, oral traditions aren't documentations. But back then, the oral traditions were as good as documents because they didn't have things written down the same way we do. And you can look back, and there are studies that show the validity of those oral traditions. But not only that, he had the Tanakh, which is what we call as Protestants the Old Testament. The Jewish people call it the Tanakh. They had documents that pointed to Jesus. But he also had something that was time-tested as well. He had his mother, remember? Luke is based a lot on the the witness of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Luke getting the accounts of that. But his mother was there. His family were some of his biggest skeptics. His brother James most likely couldn't stand his older brother Jesus. He's the perfect one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I think he would probably did that, actually. But James was convinced because the bratty, arrogant older brother, as he thought, Jesus wasn't bratty and arrogant. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're jealous of people, you start to label them, right? And you start to put people in a category that they don't belong in. And that happened with James to his older brother, Jesus. But when James saw the risen Jesus, his life changed and he became a pillar of faith to where he said that's my older brother but he's not just an ordinary brother he is the lord and i am worshiping him it takes a miracle to worship your brother all of these people testify that jesus did this this is the oldest christian creed that i can find there may be older but this is one of the oldest and simplest you can learn it right now say jesus died and rose again. And rose again. 
There you go. You just learned a creed of Christianity. Jesus died and rose again. That's exactly what all of these people attested to that convinced Paul. Based on all of these things, Paul was convinced Jesus is the Son of God. Now, Paul being convinced of who Jesus was, he made the argument, he said, I know who that is, and nothing, I'm saying nothing, say nothing again, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. So now I need you to participate again, okay? Remember? No. You need to say yes to that, though, because you remember. You ready? Can death separate us from the love of God? No. Can life separate us? No. Can angels? No. Can principalities? No. That's government officials and religious officials. Say no again. No. And say hallelujah. I like that. Some of you did it. Can things that are happening now, all the events that are happening right now, tragedy in your life and in the world, can it separate us from the love of God? No. What about the things that are going to happen tomorrow? Can that separate us from the love of God? No. What about the powers of the world that are out there? Because there are some powerful people in this world. Can they separate us from the love of God? No. What about height or depth or anything else? One last one. Can any created thing separate us from the love of God? Amen. Nothing can remove the guarantee because of this. That's number one. Nothing can remove the guarantee, and it's because, number two, which is right here, the guarantor is Messiah. Messiah means Christ, so you hear Christ Jesus. I'm putting Messiah in there because I want you to understand Christ is not his first or second name. All right? It means the Messiah, the anointed one, the, the one who is saving the world. That's what Christ means. Today, the Greek Orthodox Church is also celebrating Easter. It's on the calendar. It's the same week this year. And you hear Greek Orthodox say, Christos Anesti. And you respond, Alithos Anesti. That means Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen, is what it says. The guarantor of this guarantee is Messiah, Jesus, the Lord. The guarantee... Any guarantee is only as good as, it, as its guarantor. My lifetime guarantee for the knife set that I bought is only as good as the lifetime of the company who made it. If these, these knives fail, then no one is liable to give me a new set of knives when they malfunction because the company no longer exists. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. We'll read this one more time, 38 and 39, and we'll see this again. Paul says, for I am convinced. Can you say convinced? I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, next, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to look, keep that verse up there, that word separate. Separate means to leave or divide. It means divorce, depart, remove. It's hard to find anything worse for humans than feeling like nobody loves us. To feeling like nobody cares. It's hard to find something worse than being isolated and feeling like you're all alone. To be scared, to be helpless with no one who cares. A few years back, again, not, not long after we moved here, we went to the Bronx Zoo, which I love to go to. I feel like I see something new every time. It's very big. 
but we were there. We went we were at one um, section of the zoo, and we, we finished our job time there. We walked over to another one. It took us about five minutes to get over there. And when we were walking into the other one, I was counting all the kids. We were there with another family, so there were like 8,000 kids with us, it felt like. And so like, one, two, three, four, like seven. Wait, we're, we're supposed to have eight. We're missing one. Who are we missing? Who are we missing? And it was, it was scary. And we finally figured, it's, it's our daughter we're missing. And so uh, we thought, okay, where is she? she was, it was about five minutes since we had last seen her. And uh, she was back at this other exhibit, and it was really tough for her. It was only five minutes, but you know it had to feel much longer than that. And she did the right thing. She waited right there for us to come back. As, as parents being separated from our children, it grieves us. That might be worse than feeling isolated. <laughs> I ran back to where I saw her, and as I was running back there, I was hoping and praying that we would find her quickly. And I had all these thoughts running through my head. And then I saw her before she saw me, and she was strong, confident. She was looking very put together. She wasn't crying. She wasn't losing control. She looked like she was just chilling out. Then I called her name, and she heard me, and she looked, and she saw me for the first time, and she almost melted. The fear was gone that was, that was keeping her, and she saw me, and she came, and we hugged, and she just, <sighs> I'm safe in the arms of my dad. She knew it was going to be all right. We were separated, but my daughter was convinced enough to know that mom and dad would come get her. She knew she was convinced enough of our love for her that we were going to come back and get her. She knew she was loved. She knew to follow our instructions, that we have those instructions for her safety, to stay put. But she still had fear. She still had doubts. And she still had questions while she waited in this eternity of five minutes. But then when she saw the guarantor of the promises and the instructions, when she saw the guarantor return, she just melted into my arms. She was safe and at that moment felt the fullness of that safety and love. In the same way, we're, we're separated from God by our sin, that there's a barrier there. My daughter didn't sin, and that didn't cause her to, to be separated from us, but in our religious or in our spiritual condition, we have sinned against God. But even if my daughter had sinned, I still would have gone after her. Amen? amen. Parents say amen. Jesus, what he did was he entered into our brokenness, and he's guaranteed that we have the love of God if we would trust and believe Him. If we would trust and believe that Jesus has come for us through Jesus. Look again at verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, nothing, you just parentheses that, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God and this is important, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the love of God is not an abstract thing that's just out there that, you know, God is love and do what you want. He just loves everybody. 
He does love everybody, but he's explicitly shown this great, magnificent, self-sacrificing love for us specifically through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is how he has revealed himself. The love of God is guaranteed only through the Messiah, Jesus the Lord. Lord here means, and everywhere you see it, it means owner and ruler and master and God to worship. And a lot of times we have negative connotations with this because we see abuse of power all the time, right? People abuse power. That man in the very beginning of the story had power over the young kid in the wheelchair, and he abused that power. At the egg hunt yesterday, there was a young kid who was berated by an older man over an egg. I didn't see it, or I would have, no, I would have known him. But after the fact, I go over there, and I see this little girl. She's so uh, meek and humble in this moment. And uh, after I heard the whole story, I looked at her, and I said, uh, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't get your name. I didn't get her name at the time. I just can't remember right now. But I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry that a man yelled at you the way he did. He should not have done that. God has created men to be strong, to protect, and to nurture people. And he, he did not do what he was supposed to do. And I said, may I give you a hug? And she said, yeah. So I gave her a hug. And I said, you know what? Easter is all about the strongest man in the world. And he didn't come in with blazing saddles or whatever it is you're supposed to say, but guns blaring and going in to, to kill people. He came in and laid down his life because he loves you. That is what real men do. They lay down their lives for the people they love. My daughter in the zoo could have said, you know what? They've abandoned me. They don't even care about me anymore. They just went to the next exhibit. Forget them. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it my own way. My parents must not love me because they've abandoned me, so I'm out of here. She could have chosen to walk away from our love. While nothing can, can, separate, can separate you from the love of God, we do have the capability to reject God. We can reject Him and go our own way. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10, through 10, this is where we get a picture of this. It says, if we say that we have no sin, then what that is saying is, sin doesn't exist. We're all good people. I don't have sin in here. You don't have sin in there. Sin is just this concept that people have made up to control people. That's, that's what he's saying here. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth, which is also a controversial topic in our day, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we go humbly before the God saying, I need you, and yes, I have sinned against you, then God is faithful and he is righteous, he is just, he is good, and he is holy because of the cross. He is all these good things to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And his word is not in us. So a litmus test for am I following God? Am I receiving the good news of Easter is this right here. One of the litmus tests, if you say, I don't need Jesus, forget him. That's just something made up. 
then this is your opportunity to hear a truth from God. You're being deceived. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he's not the enemy. There are these other enemies that are around us that are pointing fingers at us and they're trying to drag us into uh, hurtful and demonic even ways of living to where it destroys this. But God has created us as beautiful image bearers of God. Male and female, he has created us. And he wants to speak life over you and draw you out of the trap of death. And if we confess that, God, yes, I have sinned against you, he will do that. And then you can say, I am a child of God. I deserve death for my sin, but by God's grace, I am forgiven. We can deny Jesus, and and if we do deny Jesus, then he's going to honor that request. But if we confess our sins... God is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And here's why. Here's how God can say, I forgive you. Because, remember the song we sang? Because God's love ran red. Someone did die for you. Someone did die for me. And that is Jesus, the Son of God. Through faith in His faithfulness, you can be born again to eternal life. You can be forgiven. You can have victory over anger and lust, and greed, and all of these other things that just pull, pull, and pull, and take, and take, and take, and make promises that they they don't back up. And we can lay hold of the guarantee that the guarantor Messiah has given to us, that we will never be separated from the love of God. Jesus died for your sins, and through faith in his faithfulness, you can be born again, you can be forgiven, you can experience the fullness of of God's love as a lost child embraces her father who comes back to her. You may have noticed today that I have been the hero of both of my stories. Thank you. I did that on purpose. Here's why. Today is Easter, and I am reminded on Easter Sunday I am far from perfect. But all the bad things I have done will not remove the love of God from me. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus is risen. I confess Jesus is my Lord. And because of him, I have been rescued from death. This means that I receive freely the love from God. Because I did nothing to earn it, so I receive it freely. But I receive it in order to give it to others. I don't just receive it so I can say, hey, look at what I have, but I I have it so that God can use that to do work here on earth and give that to others freely. And so there are many times when I've done the work of Jesus. That's not an arrogant statement, but there are many times that you have done the work of Jesus. God has commissioned us to do his work here. Neither of my stories today were based on a, a pastor doing his work. It was a dad and just a Christian friend. It was just doing what needed to be done. You are heroes too. You have had Jesus moments where you've stepped in and you've helped those people who needed it the most. You sacrifice. You serve. Some people are serving right now with the kids. You notice the kids in here, right? It's constant serving, constant giving, assisting. You give and then you assist and then you give some more. Then you help out. Then you sacrifice. Then you give some more. For others, you do a lot for other people. 
And sometimes you may feel like nobody notices, or maybe enough people aren't noticing. But that's not true. Maybe you're not getting the recognition you want from people, but God sees you. He sees your generous spirit, and He loves that about you. Remember, the sacrifices and the love and the gifts that you give to people, that's not what connects you to the love of God. That's not how you get connected with Him. That's not how you experience the fullness of God's love. If you're serving others and you're feeling tired and worn out, then you need grace preached into your heart that you don't have to do things in order to please God. You are pleasing to Him when your faith is in Christ. Fill your heart with the love of God and then use that to go serve. If you're serving and you're feeling unappreciated, then you need the gospel preached to your heart to realize that I don't have to be appreciated by people. God sees me and He is pleased with me. He sees everything I do and He keeps close tabs on the good things, and it gives me generous grace for the things I'd rather not talk about. As a pastor, I have the responsibility and I have the authority to act for the church's benefit. And I'm going to exercise that now in front of you. Authority. And I'm going to speak blessings over you. That's what Easter is about. This is your day to hear the truth of God spoken over your lives. You need this. Because not just tomorrow's coming, but about 10 minutes from now is coming. And you need the power of God in your life. So I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes as I speak blessings over you. If you're not comfortable with that, don't worry about it. It's fine. But I want you to hear these words spoken to you as they're intended. As words of blessing spoken over you. I'll say it again. She needs a blessing. God bless that little girl right there. I want to speak these words of blessing over you right now. This is for you. God is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of your past, your present, or your future. But God loves you, and he treasures you. God is fighting for your heart to believe in him right now. He's fighting for you to believe in him the way a child expectantly waits for their father to come and rescue them. More than anything, God wants your affection and your trust. He doesn't need your sacrifice. He sees what you're doing, and he simply wants you. God is also fighting for you, and he is interceding on your behalf. You are not alone. You may not see him yet, but he sees you, and he sees what you're going through, and he has already put a plan in motion. He may be crossing the street right now to come tell your enemy, no. Just wait in faith for him, knowing that God is for you. You have favor. God has joy in his heart when you come to him with everything, and he wants to give you good things. Listen carefully. You are God's first choice. You are not his backup plan. He chooses you. Jesus is interceding on your behalf and telling all of your accusers and your haters, no, he is mine. No, she is mine. He is fighting for you. He is using all of his authority and power to give love to you. And Jesus guarantees the love of God for you. Now look at me. If you receive that blessing, I want you to say amen. Amen. 
I'm going to finish with one last question. And I want to hear you shout the answer. You don't have to shout it, shout it, but say it loud, okay? You ready? Can anything separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Can anything separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Can anything separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Can anything separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Do you get the point? Yes. Yes. Amen. Jesus guarantees the love of God. Will you close? Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for speaking truth over us tonight. Thank you for the reminder that we have been securely brought into the family of God when we place our faith in Jesus. Lord, for those of us who feel isolated and separated from you right now, I speak against that and I I say no, that we are not separated. If our faith is in Jesus, we are not separated from your love. No matter what we're going through, we are not separated. You love us and your love ran red on that cross. For those of you here here tonight who who may be separated from you because they're, they're rejecting you. Father, I cannot win that argument. And so I intercede on their behalf that your Holy Spirit would fill their hearts with conviction, the kind of conviction that says, I need a Savior and I see a loving God who is saving me from death. Draw them to faith, draw them to life, and may this be the best and first Easter they've ever experienced, knowing that you are the guarantor of their faith. In Jesus' name, amen.